You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hello there, welcome to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. I'm your host, Andy, and today I will be chatting with Jay Diggs. And we had a fun chat, and we'll be listening to that later on in the show. But like every week, before we get to the main interview, we have a bunch of awesome songs to listen to if you like cool music like I do. And I hope you do. So let's get right to it. Uh, I got a bunch of tracks to play, and I got a fun one here from Natalie Gray. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons, Chris Dance, Mike Shima, and Mystery Donor. That's right, and I hope you all enjoy this. This is Natalie Gray with One in a Million.
And that was One in a Million by Natalie Gray. Yeah, and that's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the Kroner Club, we got Emil and Hampus ML. And of course, there's Jose Arbello, the king of hell, with the 66.6. I hope you guys are having a lovely lead up to Christmas. Uh, We are in the middle of December, which means the next episode of Beyond Synth will be the Christmas show, which I have not even begun to edit. So hopefully I will finish it before Christmas. We will see. It's very exciting stuff. But the point is we did record it. So I guess that's... That's something, right? And depending on uh, how much time I have, that might also be the season finale, which means soon, this is nuts, we are going to be in season 10 of Beyond Synth, starting in January. Can you believe this shit? This is crazy. And apart from that, nothing uh, too crazy has been going on. I guess we just had the Game of the Year awards. Did your favorite game win? Metroid Dread took the award for Best Action Adventure. I'm actually, uh, I just beat that. That last boss was hard as hell, and I'm going for 100%. And some of the secrets in this game are so cruel in how... (laughs) precise you have to be. Like, you know, I've got old man hands now, and there's some secrets that require you do multiple complex moves back-to-back in a very short amount of time, and you have to do it perfectly, and there's no margin for error, and uh, it's very frustrating, because I'm trying to get 100%, because I'm assuming I'm going to get a better ending if I do. But I'm going to say Metroid Dread was a big surprise for me. I know I've said that before on the show, but I honestly was not expecting that game to be any good, and it turned out to be uh, really enjoyable. You know, I'll say this. The Nintendo Switch, even though obviously like the Xbox and PlayStation are more powerful, I have gotten a lot of use out of the Nintendo Switch, more so than the the previous Nintendo systems. So I think they did a good job. Ultimately, like I get that it's lower resolution and stuff like that, but if you actually like monitored my playtime, I've just found having the Nintendo Switch really useful. <laughs> so good for you, Nintendo. All right, look, let's listen to another song. We have a new patron this week. That is Marantha. I hope I am saying that correctly. Marantha has joined the $25 club. You know, you can support the show too by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth like Marantha has done. Marantha? It's Eastern European though, right? So I'm fucking something up. Anyway, uh, Marantha's cool and actually for the past uh, several years she uh, sends me messages on SoundCloud with music suggestions and stuff like this and then I listen to them but uh, now she is a patron and she has requested that I play a song which is something my $25 patrons can do but they just never seem to do it. So I say thank you to Marantha for joining the Patreon, and I, of course, will play this track. It's from an artist called Alex Boychuk, and it's a cool synthwave tune, and you're going to dig it. It's called Neo Noir featuring Lebedev Sax. Is that how you say that? Lebedev? Well, it wouldn't be an episode of Beyond Sense without me mispronouncing a whole bunch of names in a row. Uh, But anyway, this is a cool song, so thanks to Marantha for the suggestion, and I hope you dig it. This is Alex Boychuk with Neo Noir featuring Lebedev Sax.
And that was Alex Boychuk with Neo Noir featuring Lebedev Sex. That's the guy playing the sax, man. Who is that, anyways? Vladimir Lebedev. Well, it doesn't get any more Eastern European than this, man. We got Boychuk and Vladimir. How common is that name? I suppose I could look this up, but I'm not going to. Anyway, whatever. It's a cool track. Did you guys check out the uh, Unreal 5 demo for the uh, Matrix? I downloaded that and uh, checked it out, and it seemed pretty cool. The graphics were nice. I mean, there's no game. There's like a part where you're like in a car chase and shooting stuff, and then there's a part where you just play as a character walking through a city, but uh, using the Unreal 5 engine. It looks pretty good, especially with the Matrix filter on, because it has like this green filter over top of it. I know they're making a big deal like, oh, you can't tell when it's real Keanu Reeves and when it's CGI Keanu Reeves, but you can tell. If you watch the video current day Keanu Reeves with the beard and the long hair sort of like walking on the white background and at one point he walks behind young Keanu Reeves and then when he walks out the other side he's CGI. Like it's really good. The CGI is really good. I'll give them credit but I can still tell. And obviously when he's young Keanu Reeves you can tell he's CGI but he still looks better than he looked in the actual Matrix movie. Remember like uh, the second Matrix film when Keanu Reeves is fighting all those Agent Smiths and then all of a sudden he turns into CGI and he looks fucking terrible. So it looks better than that. So that's a relief, I guess. Or I don't know if it's a relief. I don't know know (laughs) what's being relieved here. But uh, anyway, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out and it's free, right? So if you have a next-gen console, an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, it's worth checking out just to uh, look at those graphics. And uh, if you don't have those systems, just watch a video because it's the same fucking thing because there's no <laughs> there's no gameplay like you just you can step into cars and drive around and that's about it. But it is worth checking out. And you know what else is worth checking out is cool music. So let's listen to another song. I got a cool one here from Falco Fury from the album Muscle Mix. And this is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Mike Erdahl with the 56.66 and Tim. Carlton, the golden boner, and might I, you know what, I have something to say about this, fucking Tim Carlton, because I've been sitting here calling him the golden boner, and I asked him, because you know how sometimes I will have patrons on the show, and he's been a very generous patron of the show, so I invited him to come chat, and he said, oh, I don't really have anything to say, I'm just a computer programmer, I don't have anything to talk about, or whatever, and it turns out that Tim Carlton does have something to talk about, and I'm going to tell you what that is after the break, and by break i mean after the song so let's listen to falco fury with the track shark hunter
And that was Shark Hunter by Falco Fury. Brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's my semi-sonic friend, Jacob Wick. There's City Hunter, the coolest guy in town. And in the 3333 Club, it's Retro Serenade. And in the 3232 Club, it's Brandon Decker. And we're back with Beyond Synth. We will be chatting with Jay Diggs later on in the program. But right now, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So one of my Patreon supporters, Tim Carlton, who I invited to be on the show, and he's all humble, and he's like, oh, I don't have anything to say, blah, blah, blah. The other day, I was looking up, because I was reading an article about famous hold music, you know, when you're put on hold, and the most famous one that everyone seems to agree is the best hold music of all time is the Cisco hold music. So, uh, for some reason, the other day I went on YouTube and I just typed in Cisco Hold Music, and I was listening to that, and the top comment was from Tim Carlton, and I recognized the avatar, it's the same avatar I see he's got in my Discord, and I was like, well, that's interesting, and it turns out that Tim Carlton made the damn Cisco fucking Hold Music song, regarded as the most popular Hold Music of all time, is one of my patrons, Tim Carlton, and he didn't want to come talk about anything, and he never even fucking mentioned that he made this song. So, needless to say, next season on Beyond Synth, I'm gonna force Tim Carlton to come on the show and talk about the making of the, the Hold Music, because, like, that's crazy. You know, I've got people who support the show who come on the show with a lot less, but they're excited to come on and, and just chat, you know, because they listen to the program and think it would be fun to come and, and talk to me or whatever. And then meanwhile, we got humble people like Tim Carlton, who literally fucking made the Cisco Hold music and doesn't even mention it. So Tim Carlton, you prepare your speaking voice over the Christmas holiday because uh, we're going to talk to you next season. I love the idea of building this up and it's just going to be this <laughs> this really dry conversation. But Well, I just turned on a keyboard and fucking played a thing real quick and sent it to my buddy. But you know what? I think people deserve to hear the story. And I also think people deserve to hear cool music and, of course, uh, one of my favorites, Duet with two T's from the album version. Duet makes awesome music. I like playing his music because he's a cool guy. Uh, He's been a guest on the show a few times, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll do a catch-up next season. But uh, this is a cool song. It's called Horizons. Ooh, I should say it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, There's Hugh Hefner with the 2666, and in the $25 Club, we got Clint Dowling, A Star Apart, Alex Ellickson, Blake Peterson, and Cargo Cult Lua. And uh, hope you enjoy this. This is Horizons, and in brackets, All Alone Again, featuring LaFlex by Duet.
And that was Do It with the track Horizons. And in brackets, All Alone Again, featuring LeFlex. And that was brought to you by Eurobeat Intensifies, Honeybeard, Jimmy the Hut, and Joey Richards, all from the $25 Club. You people are all awesome. Yeah, and speaking <laughs> speaking of a star apart, I forgot, because I have him on my Xbox, and of course he and uh, Florence, a.k.a. Glitbiter, are a, uh, a couple. And uh, the other day I couldn't sleep, and I was having some weird nightmare or something, and I woke up, and it was like 4.30 in the morning, and I couldn't get back to sleep, and I recently rejoined Xbox Game Pass because I canceled Adobe, and I was like, well, okay, whatever, you know, the new Halo is out, I kind of want to check that out, so it seems that's kind of worth it to join Game Pass again for at least a few months, and there was Stardew Valley on there, and I've never played Stardew Valley, and it looked like a game I might enjoy, so I downloaded that, and then... Florence messages me at, well, 5.30 in the morning, my time, going like, are you playing Stardew Valley at 5.30 in the morning? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to play some kind of peaceful game to see if that would put me back to sleep, and so I was just sitting there cutting down trees and chiseling away at rocks and doing what you do in Stardew Valley, but I didn't end up falling back asleep. I just played Stardew Valley for like two hours. I've never played it before, so I'm just sort of figuring out the game, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I like games where you chop down trees. And I tried out Lawnmower Simulator thinking like, oh, that might be satisfying to cut lawns, but uh, it's not satisfying. It's it, I didn't like the game. I don't like the camera angle, and I don't like how serious it takes the business of cutting lawns. Like, you know how sometimes you can play a simple iPhone game and it's just satisfying? You just move your finger up the screen and like, I, like I think I would rather play a game on an iPhone where there's just your phone is just full of grass and you just move your finger up and down and like just cut the grass that way, but Lawnmower Simulator, just like, you gotta start a lawn mowing business and shit i'm like what the fuck is this like i just like to play games where you just you know you get an axe and you just go and like chop down trees and then you build fucking fences and stuff (laughs) i'm a simple man anyway look let's listen to uh, a track from bmx escape okay he had this album called code name jody which was like kind of a concept album that had these like sort of interludes of a sort of 80s movie pastiche kind of thing and there's some cool tracks in there like the one i'm about to play it's brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters in the 25 dollar club of course we got did i mention kempson and ken Giroux and of course marantha and mr magoo samurai neverman restless nights and techno ben all right so uh, check this out this is the bmx escape with city explorers featuring hubrid
And that was City Explorers featuring Hubrid by BMX Escape from the album Code Name Jody. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to be honest, I actually enjoyed the trailer for Sonic 2. <laughs> I know I probably shouldn't have, but uh, I will say this. I think uh, Jim Carrey was actually really funny in the first Sonic movie. And I think the Sonic movie is just stupid enough that his humor just works really well with the tone of the film. And also, I just read that Return of the Jedi has been added to the National Film Registry. So that's a thing they do in the States. You know, every year in the Library of Congress, there's a National Film Registry, and every year they add 20 or 25 movies that have been, uh, quote, deemed worthy of preservation. And every year they add a, a bunch more movies. I don't know, I guess they just keep them in a safe or something? Is that... <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest with you, I never know what they do. But uh, this year they added Return of the Jedi, and they added uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Seems weird just to add the first one. You'd think that would come as a trilogy, but uh, who knows? I wonder if Die Hard was ever submitted to the Library of Congress. Oh, they added WALL-E. I love WALL-E, man. That movie's awesome. What would you preserve? I've never looked at the entire list. I imagine there's probably a Library of Congress list. The only thing I know about the Library of Congress is I used to listen to books on tape when I worked at the bank, and this was before, like, audiobooks took off, you know, like when podcasting got big and now, like, celebrities read audiobooks and stuff. And I remember that the early audiobooks were literally, were read by very boring people, and I think it was, like, specifically for blind people. Like, the idea was if you could see, you got to read the book yourself, but if you are blind, then they will record books on tape, and they always started with mentioning the Library of Congress. This is the adventures of Driss Doerdan from the Library of Congress. And then they would say, like, the number of the thing. Then the guy would just read this book in a very dry and unexciting way. But I learned that if you really get into a story, it kind of doesn't matter how the person reads it because once you're invested in the plot, you can just listen. So I remember, like, working at the bank and just listening to this guy read these books in a very dry fashion. Driss Doerdan went into the cave and fought the giant tiger like that that was the whole book but like anyway whatever look the point is okay the national film registry what a point i've made <laughs> so look let's listen to one more song and then go chat with jay diggs okay so i want to listen to thought beings with the track sundown the system glitch remix uh, Thought Beings makes cool music, and of course, uh, he was on the show earlier this season, although technically there is also a singer called Lemon, but she likes to keep her anonymity, and so we did not chat with her. To be fair, he also likes to keep his anonymity. A lot of people like to keep their anonymity, and you know what I say? Good for you. <laughs> What am I saying? All right, look, uh, this song is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, there's Forged in Neon with the 2049. In the $20 club, we got Joshua Winter and Chatterack. And in the 1988 club, we got Waylon Kesky Geospatial. And now listen to this. This is Thought Beings with Sundown, the System Glitch Remix. i 
And that was Thought Beings with the track Sundown, the System Glitch Remix. And I think they put out an album of remixes of Sundown, right? Yeah, but done by various artists. And of course, it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters with the 1986 It's Toots. In the 1985 Club, it's Rachel and Sarah Buchelman. And then there's Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Mads Baron Christensen, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane. And look, it's time now to chat with the awesome and talented Jay Diggs. Take a drink of this disgusting tea. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you don't like tea? Like, uh, well, that's just like matcha tea. Oh, I don't I'm trying to be like healthier or something, but uh, I'll test this. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you shouldn't. It's <laughs> anyway. All right, here we go. All right, well, we're here right now with Jay Diggs. How's it Yo, going, man? What's up? What's up? It's going good, man. It's going good. My album just came out and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's doing well and I'm loving all of the support from everyone. It's, it's really humbling. Well, you know, the nice thing is like uh, my wife doesn't really care too much for like the synthwave things. Oh, no. And so, you know, I'll have this stuff on the on playing on the speakers and she doesn't give a shit. And then today or on the weekend, I was like, OK, well, I'm going to be doing the J Diggs show. So I was like listening to the album yeah. and uh, she walked in. She's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not your typical. I mean, it's not really synth way. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that's where I got started in the 80s realm. Yeah, obviously with with the synth wave because like everyone you know I, I heard Night Call and I was like what the heck is this and it was like nothing I ever heard before and then I found the movie Drive and all that stuff I went it's, I guess the same rabbit hole everyone goes down <laughs> so that's where it all started I mean I always did R&B I was always doing R&B pop I've been writing for a long time and that was yeah that was my first introduction to the 80s or 80s uh, derived genre at this point in time I'm not one of those sticklers for like there's some people who are very, very particular about what synthwave is, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of those people. Like, I just like cool music, and I've always liked synths in general, just the sounds I love, and I especially the retro synth sounds from, like, the 80s, those, like, kind of fat bass lines and chords and shit, like, I've always been into. Yeah. So, it doesn't really matter to me, like, the format of the songs, necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, as long as there's just some cool synth stuff going on. Like, I still sort of, I call that synthwave, although, like, that's... That's just me because I'm lazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, there's that essentially it has so many, so many subgenres. That's the thing. That's what. That's why I like it because I don't know. I guess what what would you call mine? I mean, mine is like a fusion. Like I, I've I've come up with this term like synth and soul. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that, that's what I call it. But yeah, you have the drink, the dream pop. You have like the more hardcore stuff. Like I've heard death synth I've heard all kinds of <laughs> wait I know you got the dark synth and vaporwave and yeah, future funk and all that and and even within synthwave there's these nerds who won't like they don't like their synthwave with vocals you know then it's not synthwave yeah. anymore like I, I'm not one of those people like I just like cool music and I'm assuming you have some sort of history with producing stuff before you've shown up uh, in this current form because like uh, the the production is really really good oh, thank you so sometimes you know this happens occasionally where someone will just pop on the scene and all of a sudden like already be very good and I'm always suspicious of like 
Were you, were you making like dance music for like 10 years before you hopped in and already had like all this production insight or whatever? I was actually. All right. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the exact story because I've been making music since 1999 or something like that. I mean, since I was eight years old, it's really when I started and I started rapping, believe it or not. <laughs> I was a rapper. And uh, yeah, and I just I, I grew up in Washington, D.C. and my dad, he's a jazz musician so I would go to the clubs the clubs where he would just I would just sit backstage and watch or sit in the crowd and watch and I got inspired by that and I was like oh man I want to make music and he we already had studio equipment he had some stuff in the basement and I just started playing around on that just making little beats and and rapping about stuff that I didn't even know what I was talking about because <laughs> I was just kind of you know I'm, I'm like a kid you know I'm like nine ten or whatever and I'm just kind of copying what I hear on the radio sure and that's where it all started and rapping making beats then eventually i found i started learning the piano so then i started playing and learning songs on the radio then i started singing in the choir at school and so it all kind of came together like that so i mean that's pretty cool though to have like music going on in the house like what what exactly was your dad doing he's bass player jazz bass player he plays the big upright bass then he plays the the electric bass as well it's cool too because i got to meet people and just kind of be around that scene and so that's what drew me in. And my mom, you know, she sang a little bit. She wasn't necessarily a performer, but, you know, she was she could sing and she would sing around the house. And there'd be all this R&B music going, <laughs> jazz music, R&B, jazz. That's really where it all started. And then pop. And then obviously, as I got older, I started to, you know, listen to more of other genres, country, rock, and alternative and all of that, but my bass was R&B and jazz. Was your dad part of, like, a troupe? Like, did they practice in the house, or? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a part of, of, of a lot of a lot of different groups. He was, he's really big here in D.C., and he played with... Um, there's a there's a couple of artists, I don't know if you know them, but there's a couple of artists who, are, who got big in America that started in D.C. There's a genre called Go-Go that's really big in our city. It's expanded now to other, other states, they call him the godfather of Gogo. His name's Chuck Brown. And so we played with him. I got to meet him. And so, yeah, people would come to the house and then go out to the clubs. And I was just, I was just always around it. It was, it was inevitable, honestly. Inevitable. That's where the, the R&B roots and the jazz roots, they were, they were always there. And so when I first got introduced to synthwave in the 80s genre, I wanted to do it. And I didn't know, I didn't know how, like, I didn't know what to do. It was weird because I loved it. I knew I loved it so much, but I'm like... This is so different because I'm usually doing up until then I was writing pop music. I was writing for other people. And so I was writing like these pop songs or these EDM songs or whatever. Or I would do like an R&B song. But when I found this, I'm like, I love this, but it's so new to me because it was so different. I'm like, man. And so I was just I made synthwave songs. I don't know. Uh, some people like them, but I didn't think they were that good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is kind of like a copy of it's like, I don't know, like a fake synth wave i don't know and then i'm like well why don't i fuse this r&b root these r&b roots that i have and then after i found synth wave i found prince after i like i mean obviously i knew of prince but i didn't really listen to his music like that and so this was all in college and i and i found purple rain and i could not stop listening to purple rain i'm like this is crazy this is it was so di it was so different i never heard anything like it because you know that i don't know if you are very familiar with that album but it's it's unreal like nothing even to this day nothing has come out that sounds like 
Purple Rain. This is one of my sort of like weak points because even though like everything I do is based on this sort of nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, like 80s and 90s and stuff and pop culture, yeah. Prince is one of those artists I've never understood and I need really? to do like a deep dive. He's because obviously he's one of those people where people talk about him. There was like, oh, like one of the greats, Prince. And then whenever I would hear the songs that reached like the radio, like the mainstream ones, mm-hmm. I like, I never understood it. Really? You know, like what's what's the main one? The, 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 the one with like the kind of the digital beat and it's like what's that fucking song like <laughs> all of his songs sound like that uh you got you got windows kiss kiss that's oh, it oh kiss 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 yeah well that's app that's like that one's cool that's post you'll like purple rain purple rain is early that's that's like 80 1982 83 right something like i that. need so i i have made a uh like I'm going to make a conscious effort and I will do this because there I don't purposely avoid trends but you know when people say like something's great and so many people say that there is a point where I go okay maybe I should reckon with this because whenever I would hear the things I would always I would listen to that song Kiss and I'd be like right why is this song so popular like it's, Kiss it's is fine like, it's but it's like yeah. kind of nothing like when I listen to it it's just sort of like this beat and then just yeah and I, I- <laughs> I like Kiss, but that's more. That was more of his pop. That's more of his pop songs. But if you go back further than that, if you go back to the Purple Rain album or even the 1990, 1999 album, but more so Purple Rain. Purple Rain is so different. It's crazy. You, Purple Rain reminds me of. It sounds like simple. It sounds like not traditional synth way but it sounds like i guess dream pop or i, I don't know but like there's some songs on there that'll remind you of like uh i know you're familiar with ollie ride yeah yeah some stuff on there will remind you of ollie ride a little bit and yeah just really really like beautiful and then there's all these synth sounds and he has the guitars and these these weird sounds he's using the lindrum a lot and so it's really cool i know for me when i first listened to that album i listened to that album every single day for at least six months i couldn't get enough nice so yeah so check it out like like just listen to it all the way through it's like it's only nine songs and yeah it's like it takes you to a different world so i found that and then i went down this rabbit hole of 80s r&b and so I found, I was like, oh, wow. And so I started listening to all of the funk records and uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Janet Jackson. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, this is funky. You got the synth. And so you can kind of fuse this with the, I was, so I was like, how can I fuse this with synthwave? And so I did a couple of tracks that where I was just singing and put the synths on there. And then, so that's kind of where I found, I got that sound from. And then I heard a couple of other producers online that was, doing the, the more funk thing and i was like oh this is cool i'm like this is what i want to do <laughs> yeah 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 so that's where it all came from well how about this how about we listen to a track now this is going to feel weird because i'm going back to the sort of the the, the beginning here to, to 2017 era oh wow okay so yeah we're gonna <laughs> Go we're gonna we're gonna experience the gamut here because this was one where you you uh popped on and then you sort of made like kind of a dark synth sort of track and then we're gonna see this sort of the evolution of jay Diggs. yeah so this was a cool song i dig it it's called pulse Oh wow! <laughs> that that song was an experiment. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool song, man. Uh, uh, cool. There's no vocals on this track. Yeah, this is uh, the, probably the only one that that is like that that I'm going to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's cool, and I want to listen to it, man. So let's do it. All right. Thank you. 
And that was Pulse by Jay Diggs. And I'm here yeah. right now with Jay Diggs. So Pulse was the start, kind of the start of the synth wave. I was just trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure that sound out a little bit. That was, that was kind of on like a dark, almost like a dark synth style a little bit. I was trying to figure myself out. And so I was doing that and then I did a couple of other other ones and a song. I don't know if you're going to play this one. This is uh, this song called Black Heart. Yes, that's coming up. That's yeah. my third That's my third pick. <laughs> so that was kind of the evolution from there. I was like, okay, all right, now let me sing over top of, you know, this dark thing. And so that's where that came from. So are you still in Washington now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in D.C. now. I was in a transition point where I was thinking about moving to LA, trying to move to LA. Then the pandemic happened, so that kind of knocked that off. But um, and now, you know, honestly, I think for now I'm going to stay in DC, just for now, because obviously LA is super expensive and I, I would rather, I'd rather travel back and forth than to live in LA, at least for now. Yeah. And then my girlfriend, and you know, we're thinking about starting a family and things like that, so I'd rather... I'd rather be close to home or close to just close to family. Well, it looks like too you're having like a lot of success and fun with your whole Instagram and stuff. And I mean, and you can do that from wherever, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, and like I said, if I if I need to travel, I like traveling, so <laughs> there's no problem there. So I have a lot of uh, it's weird. I'm in a weird spot because I, I have the artistry, and then at the same time, you know, I love I love production and songwriting too. So I'm still exploring those avenues of. I guess some people call it ghostwriting, but it's not really ghostwriting. Just writing for other people and and being more on the production side versus being the face. How did you get into that in the first place? Like, did you end up going to school for music or like, how did you find your way to actually doing like writing for other people? Yeah, I went to school. I went to Full Sail University. Full Sail It's not exactly music, but more so the technical side. So I studied recording arts and music business. And there, it was really, it's a really cool school. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but they take this real world, they call it real world learning. Mm. And it's a school, but they actually have like million dollar studios on campus. So in the daytime, it was, I got my bachelor's, which was cool. And I only got it in two years. So in the daytime, you go to regular classes, like you take science, math, but then at night they have what they call labs and you actually go and work in the studio at night so that was that was really cool so i got to learn how to use you know all the equipment and the, like the big stuff not just you yeah. know not just, the home, <laughs> not just your home studio but like all of the, the crazy boards and gear and compressors and all of that yeah yeah which yeah which is which is cool so from there um obviously you meet a lot of people and some of my classmates they, they're still in the industry and then i met a couple of artists while i was there and I started writing. I started writing for them. One artist, her, her, she goes by the name of, of Viva, and it was more of like pop, like pop stuff. So I was doing that, and then you know how it is. Like some, you know people who know people, and so she knew some people who knew other people, <laughs> and so I ended up writing for an artist by the name of Dominique Rigard. So. Viva, her manager at the time, knew Dominique Rigert. And Dominique Rigert is actually a model and she was on America's Next Top Model with Tyra Banks. I don't think I ever told this story, or at least not publicly. So, <laughs> yeah. So Dominique Rigert 
and she could sing as well. And so I got connected with her and she came out. This is all in Florida. This is in Florida. And she came out and we recorded a few songs and I got on I got on her album. And that was a lot of fun. I was like, oh, man, I love this. And then with Viva, I did a couple of songs with her that ended up on some TV shows and some movies. And I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. Like, I could just sit here in my apartment and, <laughs> you know, make some songs and give it to people and watch it, you know, flourish. So it kind of just went like that. And I met met some people on Twitter who was who had publishing deals. And they were like, hey, you know, we're looking for a song for such and such. And I got to write a song for Kiki Palmer. She's this famous uh, actress. She was on Nickelodeon, but she sings as well. So I, I got I got to work with her. And so, yeah, it just kind of went like that. I just kind of started networking and yeah, I just found myself just doing that. But I, but I found myself at this point, you know, in that world of production and songwriting, there's a lot of gatekeeping. So you write the songs, but there's steps. Like so many people have to like it. Like the artist has to like it. Their manager has to like it. Their people have to like it. And if somebody doesn't like it or whatever, then it doesn't happen. Okay, cool song, but nah, we don't want it. Mm. You know, so it's like <laughs> sometimes songs, they just don't make it, you know? And so I'm like, man, you know, I want to, I have all this good music. I want to put it out. So I'm like, let me do my thing. And that's how I started kind of singing and making my own music. Did you keep some of the ideas? Like, were there some things where you're like, well, if fucking Kiki's not going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. Like, did that happen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Some of the, let me see. <laughs> yeah, some of the songs on the, there's a, um, yeah, there's a couple of songs on the album where I Frankenstein things. <laughs> so I'll take either lyric ideas or I'll take like a melody and I'll fuse it with something else and make something new out of it. So yeah, so not the exact song, but so I'll, I'll take like a few different songs and put them together. I try to use everything for the most part. I know some people who like, if I can't finish a song, I throw it away forever, but I, I tend to Frankenstein things. So yeah, so I was like, okay, if they don't want this, this is hot. Let me make it into my style and make it dope. So. so when you were going to that school then where you could like fool around with the stuff, did you guys have to like sign it out? Was it like sort of a free for all? Like how long did you actually get to sit there and really like work with those like boards and things? Like how did that work? Oh, it was pretty structured. So we had, which was crazy, our classes changed every month. It was an accelerated school. So every month we had new classes. And so we would have classes like... Wait, wait, what? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like the Matrix where they're just fucking like plugging in new lessons into your brain like every week? Um, so the, it was a, a highly... Ex yeah, it was an accelerated school because usually it was a bachelor's degree course. And usually that takes four years, but we did it in two. So yeah, every month we had new classes. So it was really fast paced. And so it was structured. I know we would have like a, a MIDI class. And then so the labs for that, we would go in and, and we would learn how to hook keyboards up to the computer and control sounds from different uh, modules. And then we would have like a recording class where they would actually bring in bands and we would have to produce a song for them or record their song. Right. It was kind of structured like that. So we would have, okay, let's go to, so let's say tonight we have a lab. Okay, cool. Band comes in and then let's say I'm on Everybody has a duty. So one person is on microphone setup. One person is on the compressors. One person is like at the board doing levels. And another person is at the patch bay patching in different signals. So it was, it was really, it was really cool. We, we worked as a team and it was, it was nice. I liked it. So then was your like year end assignment to like produce a song or something? Like what was the, was there a project? Yeah. The, yeah. The very end, the last class we had, it was cool. We had to produce a song and a music video. And what we had to do was 
We had to do the budget. We had to find the band ourselves. And we had to write out a budget of what everything would cost, what we need. And we brought the band in and um, we had to find the videographer. So it was really cool. It was kind of like a production house, like like as a, like what a production house might do. Right. And so we had, that was our assignment is to basically do all of that ourselves. And we had to like notate everything and write everything down because when we work in those environments, the, the big studios, a lot of things are analog. So you have to physically patch things versus now everything's on a computer, but <laughs> you had to like actually physically patch things because for example, let's say we produced a song, but we need to bring the song back up and make edits to it. We had to like physically like patching gear so we had to write everything like what level was it at where was it patched in at (laughs) what what was the placement so they kind of wanted us to they threw us into the fire basically yeah you know just in case we went somewhere we really had to know that stuff so it was was cool it's the best way to learn like i went to a film school and it was like a college Mm -hmm. and any lesson where we were just sitting in class and we were like taking notes i just fucking drifted to sleep (laughs) the only time i ever learned was like when i actually was doing projects and then like actually figuring out how stuff worked and it's the only way to learn yeah fucking textbook stuff just puts me to sleep i agree yeah i'm very like what they call it kinesthetic kinesthetic learner i guess that helps a lot i'm glad they do it that way what is calisthenics calisthenics that's exercise right yeah i said i said i said no, kinesthetic. you said the right thing i'm just oh. now i'm saying out loud what's the other thing that i'm confusing it with oh yeah calisthenics yeah i, I know I, well it's funny thing is i i managed a, a gym so i know all about that too <laughs> 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 See, this is the fun when you don't do research. Look, uh, how about this? Let's listen to another song, and then we'll uh, keep chatting. Okay, cool. We're moving ahead here to January 2018, because this was a cool track I dug called Aesthetic. Ooh, oh, oh, oh that, that fits in with the gym thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. man, and it's just a you know great production value and just a fun track, so let's listen to that, and then we'll keep chatting. All right. So this is, uh, this is Aesthetic by Jay Diggs.
And that was Aesthetic by Jay Diggs. And I'm here right now with Jay Diggs, who has just dropped the bombshell that he manages a gym? Well, used to. Used to, okay. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not a bombshell at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, recently, up until last year, yeah. It was pretty recent. What? uh, What? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I was just a musician, gym management, you know, personal trainer. Everything. I've done a lot of things in my life. But yeah, <laughs> this actually goes back. Let me give you the backstory. Man, when I was in college, that was a really pivotal time. So I actually used to be over 300 pounds. I used to be really big. I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to respond when people say stuff like that. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be rude and be like, oh, fuck. That's fine. But like at the same time, when like I, I see the way you look, so I know like you're keeping yourself well. So then I'm like, do I acknowledge it? You know, it's like when you're with a lady and if she says something about like the way her body used to look or something, it's like, yeah. if I say that's good, am I also implying that you were, something was wrong before and then I don't want to like step on something or become like a jerk. So then it's no, like, no, man, I'm, I'm, at, I'm at peace with it. Like, I right. think, I mean, if you aren't happy with yourself, then yeah, you know, make, make a change and something, something is wrong if you're not happy. That's, that's what I say. Yeah. So unhappy. Yeah. So for me, and I'm not, a, I'm not a tall guy, you know, I'm, I'm like five, eight. So that was a really tough time for me because I dealt with it since I was a child. And in college, I don't know, something just clicked, uh, snapped. I don't know. I went insane and I lost a hundred pounds in one year. Nice. And yeah, man. And I just, I just went, I went crazy. But from that experience, that is how I fell in love with the gym and exercise and fitness. Again, I, I don't keep myself in very good shape. I just happen to be genetically thin. Mm. But uh, when I, when I, when I Lucky left home you. for college, well, I <laughs> fucked up though. Cause my dad always ate like health food. Mm. And so we're a pretty skinny family. But when I moved away, I just started eating so much junk in college age in my early twenties. I was just eating like homemade burgers every day on the form and grill and just like covered them with cheese and mayo and shit and I got this belly that to this day I can't get rid of and so Uh. it's just ridiculous because I'm skinny everywhere else I look like fucking E.T. and for you was it purely working out or was there like diet things as well like yeah it works together so I I went crazy working out so first I didn't change my diet too much at first so what I did was I just started working out like crazy and I did I guess I can shout out the program I don't know I did I did this program called Insanity but I did a lot of things yeah it's called sanity right it was a program called insanity but then also i jump rope a lot and i went i played basketball a lot this is in florida so it was really hot so i would um in the morning i would do the insanity program and then in the evenings or the afternoons i would go down to the park and i would just run back and forth on the basketball court i would just shoot hoops and then just jump rope like i just i worked out like three times a day it was crazy so i actually didn't have to change my diet too much at first but then as i got more comfortable and i started to see the pounds come off then i started to hone in on the diet and clean that up too it works it does work together because there's a certain point where like if you're just working out but not eating well there's a certain point where uh you're kind of working against yourself florida yeah <laughs> wait what were you doing in florida that was college that's where i went to, that's where the school, oh, the school was. okay 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 gotcha gotcha yeah so i was down there and uh yeah it's like a sauna down there so anything, <laughs> anything you do outside you're gonna be dripping sweat so that helped a little bit too but you were in washington so like what was it about that florida school like were you putting out applications to a whole bunch of places or did you specifically want to go to that school yeah i wanted to go to that school because i heard about it i think i heard about it online and then i heard there was a representative that came to my high school and it's a pretty popular school here for people who are in entertainment business and things like that because they actually have so they have recording arts they have 
design they have uh like computer animation like that it's that kind of thing like a, like an entertainment business media school right yeah so that's what drew me to it so the whole point is though like now you're all you're all fit and feeling good about yourself yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah yep and that pulled me into wanting to work at the gym so that's how that started and so <laughs> i just had that just that just i don't know just the uh the passion for it i was like you know I'm passionate about it let me let me go do this when I look at your Instagram, I just think like, fuck, how is he doing all this? Like, it just seems like there's so much going on. Like, <laughs> I get overwhelmed with the very little I do. And I'm like, I post on Instagram like once a week when I remember to. And when I see people with such active accounts, I'm like, does he have like a assistant or something that's like helping him post all these things? Like, I wish. Do you just have a lot of energy <laughs> now? Like... Is this one of the the perks of being healthy? I I I guess I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that. I mean, I just I don't know, man. I've always just been very driven, and I I listen to a lot of motivational speakers. I'm, I mean, I'm really into self help and all that kind of stuff too. So one guy I listen to Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Is he that little dude that does like business advice? Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk. He curses a lot and he's loud and <laughs> obnoxious, but he, he's, he's really smart. And so he's somebody I follow and he talks about social media and marketing yourself. And his thing is speed and go, go, go. You always have to just put yourself out there. So I, I follow his advice and he just says like, sometimes he says crazy things. Like He's like, you need to be posting like 20 pieces of content a day. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have this weird aversion or frustration with, with social media. Like, well, obviously I hate it for the reasons why everybody else does. But to me, it's like, it's this thing that takes me away from doing the stuff I like. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's, but some people have this way of making their Instagram be part of the art. Like I just can't do that. It's like, for me, it's like, I want to be editing. I want to be making videos. And every time it's like, you got to post on Instagram. I feel like it's a, it's just a detour. Uh -huh, fuck me. All right, here we go. It's not easy. I struggle. I'm gonna be honest. I struggle a lot, especially when I was working on my album. It was really hard because I was trying to like make music, but at the same time trying to make content social media is really difficult when you're doing it by yourself because you're, you're caught between okay do i do my work or do i make content like it's kind of yeah. and the particular content i do it takes a lot of time it actually takes a lot of effort and time because i'm doing a lot of like re i'm remixing songs and then i'm setting up like video i gotta write not necessarily a script but i have to like plan out what i'm gonna do in the video after sure, yeah. music yeah, yeah, yeah. i have to make the music i have to sing it then i gotta plan out what i'm gonna do in the video and so it's and then i have to shoot it it's a lot so it's tough yeah man i don't know that i guess the drive and just to drive in the energy and just that, that's what pushes me because i make videos and like the amount of work and sometimes you can do a thing that just seems effortless but then like i'm self-conscious as well so like so there's been times where i've like filmed a whole instagram post and then i watch the video and like i don't like the way my face looks or something and i'm like oh man oh you don't post it yeah i don't <laughs> fuck this but like it happens like all the time so it's always tricky to sort of find that motivation to get things done so i just hop onto youtube and watch david goggins and start like oh, yeah. slapping myself <laughs> in the face going like i could do this if david goggins is gonna run for 300 miles and burn his skin right. off like i can <laughs> and then i just take a nap oh man yeah he, <laughs> I, I i know about him he's 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 wild he's a wild guy but yeah <laughs> I don't know, man. You got you to you just do it. If you look, I mean, if you don't like the way you look, just post. I find that most people aren't going to notice it. Most people don't care. My most viral video was the, the WAP remix. And what's funny is that video probably, out of all my videos, 
that one I, I feel like I put the least effort into. That's, I don't know. It was, that's the way it works. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> that's the way it works, man. And then so you know, trying to I was obviously you try to replicate the same numbers and success. And so I was doing other videos that did well, but some of the other videos I put more even more effort into and they didn't do as well. And I'm like, man, that's funny how that works. That's funny. Yeah. Cause then it just makes you really question inside like all the different permutations of things that have happened. They're like, what is this? Like, is this funny because it's a guy singing that song is like you know like there's all these sort of elements that sort of go in like it's the right time there's some of that stuff you just can't even calculate it's like you just happen to post it in the perfect day you know like it was just the perfect day the perfect concept for that exact moment yeah and then you go like maybe i can do other female rap songs but like male covers and it just won't be the same yeah and you'll never really know yeah it was strange because that when i made it i didn't even plan it out like i just woke up one morning i was like Huh. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I wonder what that would sound like in a funk song. And I don't know. I just, I like, and I sampled the little thing. I grabbed my thing and just, I just sat there and made it. I just, I just do have to say that in your cover. <laughs> Of that song, this the, the looping sample that you have throughout the whole song with the yeah. there's some hoes in this house. Like, yeah. After, after a while, it just starts to make me laugh. Like as it continues to go, because it literally just plays through the entire song. Right, that will sing over it. It's, it's so, hilarious. Yeah, minute two is when I just broke. Where I was just like, this is just amazing. Just there's some hoes in this house. It's, <laughs> It's funny looking back at it. Uh, yeah, actually, when I look back at it, I'm like, I kind of see how why that went viral from what it from what the original song is to what that became. I'm like, oh, okay, that is, that is kind of shocking and different, yeah. you know. <laughs> so yeah, but I just I don't know. I just woke up one morning. I just did it. I didn't have a lot of followers at that point, so I didn't have a lot of expectations. You know, I was obviously I was doing my '80s thing. I was like, man, okay, let me record this. I literally recorded it with a camcorder, like a VHS camcorder, and you know, the quality is just dirt you know yeah. <laughs> and it's and i wake up the next morning and my friends are texting me and stuff like dude you're viral blah 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 go on twitter and i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so that was fun we're gonna move ahead here we're gonna talk about the or we're gonna listen to the song we mentioned it earlier black heart mm, okay which is a cool track you're gonna notice sort of a pattern in the sort of the the songs that i pick because like i have a certain sort of aesthetic that i like and which is which is what i like about your music too because you do have sort of a variety like even on your album and stuff mm -hmm. and i tend to gravitate to more of the ones that have sort of like a dark synth kind of vibe to them and yeah and you're also like singing on them and stuff and um like i would say also a, a track will play later in the show slasher from the new album is like oh, that man. same sort of tone like <laughs> that's my jam you know yeah so just in case people listen to the songs i pick and feel like i have some sort of a bias like that's where i'm coming from but i always like to play the things that i get excited about when i'm when i'm talking to an artist and um i figure when you play pulse no one has ever brought up pulse well, <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's like oh well, okay. like when, when i have the dark <laughs> yeah like when i have people on the show for the first time i always like to sort of go back through the catalog yeah and not just focus on the new stuff if i'm getting to know somebody it's always like when they come back later on like yeah we'll talk about just the new stuff but uh anyway look the point is this let's listen to this song because it's awesome this is black heart yeah. by jay diggs
And that was Jay Diggs with the track Black Hearts. And I'm here right now with Jay Diggs. Is that your actual name? Yeah, kind of. My first name is Justin. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, Justin Diggs. So, Jay Diggs, Justin Diggs. Wait, so Diggs is a, your actual last name? That's a real last yeah. name? That's my real name, yeah. There's like three NFL players with the last name Diggs, two or three actors with the last name Diggs. I don't know. I'm not related to him as far as I know. But yeah, Diggs seems to be a pretty common last name. And there's a guy, I get like people commenting on my social media. They ask me about this. There's another guy named Jay Diggs. He's a rapper, but he uses the letter J and then Diggs. And I just happened to look him up. That's his real name. And I'm like, that's my real name too. I didn't steal his name. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Well, that means they can't sue you. (laughs) I remember there was this thing that happened up here. This was years ago. So, you know, there's like a brake, a place that fixes brakes for cars called Midas. I don't know if they have that in the States. Yeah. There was a place that was like a mom and pop kind of owned garage called Midas with a T. Oh, wow. And then they tried to sue them, but they couldn't because Midas was the guy's actual last name. Uh. (laughs) So it wasn't like a rip. I mean, it still was, but it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if that helps you in any way. (laughs) But... Who were the first people, you know, within the synthwave scene anyways, that you collaborated with? Because I know, like, I talk to uh, Sunglasses Kid uh, pretty regularly. Oh, cool. So I think I first saw your name in relation to a track you did with him. Yeah. But was was that the, that wasn't the first, was it? Was that the first? I'm trying to think. Because I know you've done some tracks where you'd have, like, collaborations with, like, female vocalists and stuff. Yeah. You know J.J. Miss, right? Yeah, yeah. I think she might have been my first collaboration. Yeah, J.J. Miss and then Sunglasses Kid was after. Yeah. And I think the collabs with Sunglasses Kid are uh, a good fit since he's like one of the few artists in the scene doing more of the 80s and 90s funky pop kind of new jack swing vibes, mm-hmm. which I think complements what you've got going on. Yeah, Poppy brings in some 90s elements too, which I like. It was the track Chill that you guys did that we'll listen to in a bit that I found out about you like I was listening to that song that I found out about you and most of the time when there's some artist collabs in the scene it tends to be a vocalist working with a producer I know so I was pleasantly surprised when I sort of popped over to your band camp and saw like all this awesome stuff that you had produced and so I was all like you know okay there's there's something going on here yeah yeah that was that was, that was really cool with Sunglasses Kid I, I guess we knew of each other before we actually connected because he he would upload like these videos on Facebook and stuff and I'm like oh man these are really cool like he would upload like how like how to videos mm. I, I don't know I'll just be there watching them I'm like man this, this dude is so cool because he he kind of had the the new jack swings that he was like how to do ju- new jack swing drums and how to do new jack swing this and that I'm like oh man that's so cool because I grew up that's the music I grew up with and so I'm like oh man this is sick so he he actually kind of had a hand in in my inspiration to go that route when I first found out about him that was around pulse i was still trying to like figure out like what i wanted to do in the synth wave space and then i saw what he was doing I'm like oh man yeah i love that it reminds me of what i grew up with in the 90s and then i was like, okay and i have my r&b thing and then i found another guy who's on my album who goes by the name of ziadara he was doing the more like disco funk thing and so i was like okay let me just kind of like throw my r&b thing in there so i knew about sunglasses kid and i think he hit me up or something i don't know i forgot how we actually connected but that was fun i know we did we did chill and and that was that was a fun record since you are like kind of born in the 90s what made you go down the sort of 80s rabbit hole in the first place that was prince finding prince so what triggered that event then what triggered prince yeah okay this is how it happened i remember now so i was listening to spotify it was either spotify 
Spotify or I was think I was going through playlist on YouTube, something. I was going through some playlists and Tesla Boy came on, Spirit of the Night. That was the very first introduction to Synthwave. And I was like, oh man, this is cool. And then they got to Kavinsky with Night Call. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. And then somehow I got to Prince. I don't know. I just, it just popped up. I don't know. And I'm like, oh man, I just, and I remember my parents always talking about Prince. My mom loves Prince. She always talk about him and talk about the show. And then I just found the album and just started listening to it. So that's, I think that's how it happened. I, I heard his songs on a playlist and I ran to the Best Buy to buy a CD. <laughs> that was, this is like 2010 or mind you. So CD was, uh, was still kind of popular. But then Spotify didn't exist in 2010 though, right? If not, then it wasn't Spotify. It was, I was listening to playlists on something. Listen, man, this story's falling apart. <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just think it, this is over 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I just remember it was playlist and they came on. And so that's that's how I found Prince. And then from listening to Prince and then I was already aware of Michael Jackson. So I was a big Michael Jackson fan already. So I was like, OK. And I was like, wait, I wonder what else came out that year. So I was like just going through like the R&B hits of, you know, 1982, 83. And I just, I just started finding all this stuff. And I was like, oh, man, this stuff's awesome. So that kind of led me down that 80s rabbit hole. And then obviously Vice City. I, you know, I played. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had already played Vice City back in my younger days. So during this time, as I was finding these playlists of these 80s, 80s songs it brought me back to vice city so what i would do this is in college and i had my first car and what i would do is i would go on youtube and i would pull up radio stations from vice city on youtube nice and just let it play in my car as if i was just listening to it <laughs> and so i was just riding around listening to the, all the little commercials and then the 80s songs would come on and i'm like yeah i'm just like imagining i'm in vice city you know i'm in florida so you know it's hot it's palm trees i'm like yeah i'm in vice city yeah <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend uh, not playing the definitive edition. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you're a pretty busy guy, so maybe video games are in the past for you. I wouldn't, I w- I've been wanting to get back into video games. I've thought about like maybe starting a Twitch and getting back into it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find time for it because I, I, I do so many things. Um, <laughs> I yeah. get it. I get, I go down rabbit holes, but I would like to get back into gaming. So that might be something I might do in the new year. Well, uh, don't start with Grand Theft Auto Definitive Edition. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to make it my mission right now to make sure nobody plays that piece of shit. Hey, I, I trust you. <laughs> but uh, look, how about this? Why don't we listen to, we, we talked about it, so let's listen to the track you did uh, with Sunglasses Kid, because it's a cool track. It's called Chill, right. and it's awesome. Also featuring Johnny Silva. So uh, here it is. This is Chill by J. Diggs and Sunglasses Kid. Yeah. <laughs> Been one night, I got your hope, you can't quit me. I don't wanna be sat down. I hope that you forgive me. Cause I ain't no heart, I ain't looking too fine on us. I just wanna keep things casual.
That was Chill by Jay Diggs and Sunglasses Kid and featuring Johnny Silva. And I'm back here with Jay Diggs talking about going to Best Buy and buying CDs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Yeah, I just remember going and buying Purple Rain and listening to it every day. Yeah, that was my thing. I got on this CD kick in college. I don't know. I got a bunch of the CDs. And now now I'm on a vinyl kick. So it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. T- time is just all over the timey-wimey. You know, time's all over the place. So now vin- vinyl's back in style now. So I'm buying a bunch of vinyls right now. Trying to. They're expensive. So <laughs> trying to. 
<laughs> Has the phrase timey-wimey become like a, a thing that's in like popular culture now? I guess. I, I used to I used to watch Doctor Who a lot. That's where I got it from. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking because I'm like, <laughs> I know it's from Doctor Who, but like, because I'm a, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, but I'm like a big nerd, so I'm like a big fan of the classic show, uh, like the one from the 70s and 80s and stuff. Ah, uh, you would know more than me. I, I haven't watched the old ones yet. I mean, when the show came back, like in the, in the 2000s, it's a different show mm. thematically. Like the old show was a very... Very straightforward science fiction adventure program. Yeah. Whereas like the new one has more like emotional moments and stuff that seem to be like yeah. the more important part than the robots. And I'm sort of just in it for the robots. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like that show a lot. Yeah. I guess yeah, it had a little bit more drama and yeah, relationship stuff. I feel like the David Tennant era was sort of like where the new series kind of peaked a bit. Yeah. Probably so. I stopped watching after Matt Smith. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with the new one. Oh, or the most recent but yeah yeah i love the yeah david Tennant. that was that was the guy but uh i like Matt smith too but i stopped after Matt smith yeah that makes sense i just got tired of stories that were flashy and overcomplicated. like i miss more standalone episodic tv because i don't always have the time and like when anyone recommends a show to you it's always some interconnected multi-season thing and it ends up being a huge commitment that that binge yeah <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, Ben just they they take some time. They take yeah. <laughs> they take they take some commitment. Yeah, I did binge Doctor Who uh, in college. I, I got tell you, man, college was pivotal. That's how, that's when I got introduced to Doctor Who, and I just watched all the episodes because I, I watched them after the fact. Sure, yeah, I wasn't watching them like as they were coming out, but yeah. <laughs> That's how I learned to torrent. Because uh, <laughs> up until that point, I never torrented anything. Yeah. But then since I'm such a big Doctor Who fan, in 2004, when it came out, like the reboot, this was like a big deal because it had been off the air for like 15 years. Mm. And I, I found out that someone leaked the first episode in like CBC in Canada, like it was leaked online. And so that's when I learned like, you can get the, you can get it now, like three weeks early if you torrent it. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll figure out this torrenting business. <laughs> and then I torrented right up in until the day my internet service provider sent me a letter saying that I <laughs> you have been caught illegally downloading Game of Thrones. Wait, really? Yeah, they sent out letters. And then I was like, ah, fuck, I'm a good boy. So I... I stopped. Whoa, that's never happened. Maybe maybe that's a Canada. Is that a Canada thing? It's a thing. It's just I think it's random. Obviously, it's illegal, but I, I never know. I've ne- I just never heard anybody like getting caught for like downloading. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the thing is, like, they can't do anything. It's just like so. I had other friends. I'm like, yeah, man, I've got like fucking five of those letters. Like, who gives a shit? And I'm like. I just don't like them sending me letters like <laughs> so yeah so then I stopped wow. and then that was the end of that but nowadays with the streaming services like I don't need to torrent like I haven't had that need right because everything's there for me and it only costs two hundred dollars a month <laughs> like in streaming from all these different platforms yeah I guess that that helped and I think the streaming services in general music and movies they get they get a lot of rap but I guess they did help the stealing and the and the torrenting and the down, illegal downloading of the limewire days and all of yeah. that so i guess they helped in that sense that people didn't have to you know steal so at least you get something i don't know <laughs> i mean that's the thing too i i had this big conversation with actually with sunglasses kid about this on the the 300th episode because basically like we were doing a lot of torrenting it with music and stuff but the reason was music wasn't as readily available as it is now like it's like that was the only mm-hmm. option yeah unless you had a cool record store in your town or city or whatever torrenting was the only way to even hear some of these things like you couldn't even get them that's true no obviously now with spotify it's a lot easier to, to you know you know how it yeah. is 
yeah yeah <laughs> it's definitely it's easier yeah it's uh, my spotify i have a love-hate relationship with spotify but sure yeah yeah, yeah. just because i mean being on the artist side you know we all wish they paid us more but <laughs> oh, you're not so. you're not happy with your like what quarter of a cent for play or whatever the hell you get yeah nice nah, they all i mean it's all of them though it's not just spotify it's all of them it's youtube and apple music too yeah so. yeah yeah, and I saw, I saw a meme the other day, and it, it, it made me feel bad. It was like, <laughs> I think they, they posted the picture, the guy who owns Spotify, and it was like, this guy has never made a song in his life, but he's made millions of dollars just posting oh, yeah. other people's music, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a picture of him in like a gold rocket car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, but you know, it's, it's the business. Yeah. Well, how about this, man? Why don't you tell me, uh, we're, we're now up to date. So we're going to talk about this Jams album. Yeah. Because it's a good thing. Maybe we can play a track and then you can uh, talk to me about the album. Okay. Because there's lots yeah. of stuff going on here and lots of collabs and stuff. So I want to play uh, one of my favorite tracks from this thing, Slasher. Slasher. Which yeah. is a fucking cool song. And uh, and then we'll come back and chat some more. So this is uh, this is Slasher by Jay Diggs. <laughs>
And that was Jay Diggs with the track Slasher. <laughs> and I, you got to say it that way, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's what I envision with that song. Yeah, I'm a big horror fan, man. See, I'm not a, a horror fan, but I am a fan of practical effects. Okay. And so there's this weird thing where I don't really watch horror movies, but I will go on these like YouTube binges of watching the practical effects from like 80s horror movies. Oh, yeah. So I literally just like it was like last week or it was around more like around Halloween. When I'm just, I just started watching all the hell, like clips from Hellraiser. Like, mm-hmm. I have no interest in Hellraiser necessarily, but I just, wa- yeah. I just like to see practical effects. Yeah. And, uh, and so now I have all these like scenes from Hellraiser in my head, which is, is just weird because like <laughs> that movie's just full of people getting hooks shot into them. That's mostly the Hellraiser thing, but then there's some cool kind of prosthetic effects and stuff like that. But I still have to watch Hellraiser. That's one I haven't seen yet because it, it doesn't look interesting enough to me. So I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. But I will. I mean, maybe this is something you experience too when going back and listening to like the older music and stuff. But sometimes there's things that you have this idea of what you think something is because of the way it's portrayed in the culture now, or especially franchises. Mm. You see where a franchise ends up, and then you go back and watch the first movie and go like, "This is how it started." Like how the like yeah. even things like Rambo. You know the image of Rambo where he's like in the desert with the fucking M16 with his shirt off, sweating with the headband, like blowing up people <laughs> with like flaming bow and arrows and stuff. Yeah. And then you watch the first movie, and it's like he's like a fucking Vietnam vet with like post-traumatic stress like running around in a forest just trying to get away from the world it's like it's so completely different than where it went (laughs) and um hellraiser is the same thing it's like everyone knows pinhead and everyone thinks like oh he's like the star of the show he's like the freddy krueger of this franchise and the first movie it's just like some like satan shit where some guy is like coming back to life and he's getting his like I, to be honest with you, horror fans are going to be upset with me because I'm going to be fucking this up, but it's either his wife or his sister or something. He's getting her to bring men home and murder them so he can, like, oh. absorb their skin and slowly become alive again. Oh, wow. And Pinhead and the other characters kind of just show up at the very end of the movie when the girl opens the puzzle box. Really? They're in the movie for maybe, like, four minutes. Pinhead isn't even really the main one. He's just the one that talks. And there's, like, a lady one, and there's another one with, like, a weird stretched-out face and stuff. Yeah, I always thought he was the main... I mean, obviously, I've never seen it, but I always thought he was the main character or the main villain. Yeah, it's like what happens with um, Jack Sparrow in the um, Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Like, Mm. he's kind of the side character, but then everyone loves his character, so then when they make sequels, it's like, oh, well, he's the main character now, and then they waste the character, and it becomes less interesting. Yeah. It's like that, where it's like Pinhead really only has a few lines of dialogue, and then he leaves, but then since he's like... Like the thing that everybody was excited about, then he sort of becomes the main thing as the franchise goes forward. Yeah, I, I still have to watch that one though, just because uh, horror fans are going to probably be mad at me too for saying I'm a horror fan. I haven't seen it. I just, yeah, I'm going, I'm still going down the rabbit hole. I like to watch things that kind of pique my interest first, and then I'll kind of go back and watch the ones that are, you know, everybody says are classics, you know. <laughs> but what is it? Do you like the supernatural ones or is it the gory things or like what's the ones that appeal to you? I like it all, but I think I like the ghost stories. I like the supernatural. I like those because those are the only ones that actually kind of 
scare me, I guess. I mean, they don't really scare me, but I think they're the scariest. So I like the supernatural, like the ghost story or like a good possession movie. It depends on what I feel. Like if I really want to be like scared or feel scared, I'll watch a good possession movie. Um, but I always love a, a good 80s slasher. Those are fun. Like if I want to laugh and just have a good time, I like I like those. I guess my favorite 80s one is um, I like Freddy. I like Freddy a lot. So I mean, I was Freddy for <laughs> I was Freddy for Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like those a lot, and I like I like Chucky, which is weird. I like Chuck, like the, the first one. Not all, you know, they have a lot of sequels, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. really like the I really like the first one. He's just raw and like, oh man. Since I, I'm not really a horror guy, the things that appeal to me is when there's more like kind of creativity going on, mm-hmm. which is why I prefer the Nightmare on Elm Streets, just because there's a lot of imaginative imagery and like practical effects and. There's neat things, whereas, like, you know, the more simple ones, if it's, like, the Halloween movies where it's just, like, mm-hmm. watch a guy walk around and stab people in the head, like, and that's kind of it, you know? So yeah. that's why Freddy always appealed to me, just because there's lots of kind of interesting effects and ideas going yeah. on. Man, you know, I felt bad for so long. And I, I, you always hear about how much of a classic Halloween is. And I like like, It's a very simple, simple film Yeah, I mean, people are going to be mad about this But man, that movie's boring Like, the first one, it's boring I gotta be honest I like like John Carpenter I like the score and all of that Mm -hmm. But man, that first movie It put me to sleep when I first watched it I actually had to watch it a couple times Because it it was kind of boring (laughs) But yeah, I don't know So the Halloween, Michael Myers It's not my favorite It's not my favorite, but There are certain movies that I appreciate the importance of them I used to consider myself a movie buff Although I don't really watch that many anymore but in high school was my time high school and college for like fucking watching Mm. shit and i think it's fair to just go look there's some movies that are really important historically so we appreciate them on that context so you go okay Halloween is important because it's the prototype for what becomes the slasher movie. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we have to sit there and love it. Like, I mean, I love Blade Runner and there's always like historical film nerds who'll be like, you know, there'd be no Blade Runner without (laughs) Fritz Lang's Metropolis from like 1930. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I just, I'm never going to put Metropolis in the machine over fucking Blade Runner. Like, I can appreciate what a technical Marvel Metropolis is for 1930 or whatever the hell. Like, it's, it's cool that they managed to do all that stuff. But I'm yeah. I'm never gonna sit there and just like watch that movie like but I can appreciate that it exists. I actually watched it recently. I enjoyed it. It, it, it. That one that one put me to sleep too. It took me a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, well, to be fair, I watched. Well, it, I mean, it's a silent movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched it late at night at first, um, but I really I really enjoyed the the imagery of that of that movie. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, and that's yeah. I think that's why because I was like, oh man, everyone always talks about Halloween and it was, it was the start of the slasher thing. I was like, okay, cool. Let me watch this. They build up the tension. The slow burn, I get all that. But like when you go back and watch like The Exorcist, like that's cool. Like The Exorcist is like I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. So like you know that, that's kind of from the same similar time. So yeah, it's funny because my my mom is like <laughs> she's like deathly afraid of The Exorcist. Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of people I have friends uh, the same thing where their parents uh, of a certain age where. You know, when that movie was in the theater when they were, you know, in their teens or whatever. And like, it was like a really, like, it was a big deal, like, cultural phenomenon that it like fucked people up in the same way that Jaws did for like, you know, swimming and stuff. Like, Jaws really made people afraid of going swimming. And The Exorcist really like made people terrified of, uh, of possession and demonic shit. I get it because. It came out in 1973. I don't know if you've seen it recently or whoever's listening. Like, if you watch that, go, like, watch that movie right now. Think about 1973 and, you know, not a lot of movies are 
doing anything like that. Like that would freak me out too if it was the 70s and I saw something like that. It's always amazing too when you see movies where like the technology of the film where sometimes you'll watch a movie that just seems like leagues above what happened the same year. Mm -hmm. You know, because like even like in science fiction terms, like I can still watch like Stanley Kubrick's 2001 and the spaceship shots still look fucking fantastic and that movie's like late 60s mm. and then you would watch like the science fiction movies that came out after it in the 70s and they look fucking terrible like up until Star Wars yeah you know even like Terminator like when I watch like Terminator 2 there's still some effects in there that look great like now yeah amazing and exorcist definitely had some neat like camera tricks and stuff they did that were like pretty impressive and pretty pretty effective yeah and and just the the, the sounds and also the, all the music too and, well i guess and with my mom i guess why she's so scared of it because that that's actually based on a true story that happened here in dc right the exorcist which is so i guess that's why she's like she's like that's why i was so afraid and she was telling me a story how they had the radio on in the house and the, the commercial would come on the radio and it'd be like <laughs> loud in the house and you'd be like Rawr. <laughs> so she would just go running out the house i'm like wow it's a great song though that fucking tubular bells track is oh yeah it's pretty kick-ass although <laughs> i'd love to do the research and find out what the real story is because you, you'll probably do that and it just turns out like it's based on a true story and then like the only real detail is like one day a priest like flew out a window or something i don't know well it happened to a boy it happened to a boy uh here in dc and they um did they film it here i think some of it was filmed here actually but there's like these steps or whatever i think they're actually here right so, right right yeah i don't i don't know i don't know that <laughs> i don't know how accurate it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i brought you on the show today to talk about is we have to <laughs> we're here to talk about the accuracy of the uh the true account of exorcist but anyway that love for horror is where slasher came from and i wanted to do something <laughs> you know <laughs> thank you for keeping us on track <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give like a little wink and nod to that, my love for horror and tie it into like this idea of love being a slasher. That was, I had a lot of fun. I was watching the Nightmare on Elm Street when I was recording it. So that was kind of a cool experience. I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street and Stranger Things when I was recording that. Yeah, that makes sense. A little, little tidbit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of your parents, like how do, how do they feel about uh, the music you're producing? Oh, they, they love it. They, they've always been really supportive and yeah i mean obviously it's it's their music i guess because you know 80s 90s r&b that's kind of what they grew up around too so they 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 really love it and, and very, very supportive so does your dad and still play he's on the album yeah oh nice <laughs> he's, playing, he's playing bass on the album he plays on a, a, a few of those tracks yeah oh wait a second did you post like an instagram where he's in the background is that him mm-hmm yeah, that's him. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, because I didn't, I didn't know who that was. Like, it's just I didn't actually read the caption. Does it just say "There's my dad" and I'm an idiot for yeah, not reading um, it? Okay. The, I, I post, <laughs> yeah, maybe not the most recent one, but I posted a couple of videos before where I showed. Yeah, he's in a few of the videos. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, grooving, grooving along. Yeah, he's on. Oh, he's still playing, and he's still playing with different groups around town and stuff. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, doing his thing. Yeah, well, how about this? I want to listen to another song, okay. and then maybe we can like uh, slowly wind this thing down. I don't want to take too much of the time from your day of uh, making Instagram videos and all the <laughs> other stuff you got to do. Uh, this was another track I really dug on the album called Biggest Fan. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, see, I see the trend here. Yeah. <laughs> 
I see the trend. And that's why I threw that on there. I threw that one in Sasher. Because, uh, yeah, Biggest Fan, Biggest Fan almost didn't make the album, actually. I don't know. I was going back and forth if I should put it on there because I have all this funk stuff and R&B stuff. And then this one is pretty different. So, but yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I put it on there. I love that you like it. <laughs> so let's uh, let's listen to it. This is uh, Biggest Fan by Jay Diggs. Yeah.
And that was Jay Diggs with the track Biggest Fan mm-hmm. from the album Jams, which you can all get right now at bandcamp.com slash mrjdiggs.org. No. No. Jay Diggs, I think it's... Yeah, it's... <laughs> Actually, let me get you... Let me make sure I get the right... Uh... <laughs> It's jdigs.bandcamp.com. And that's Diggs with two G's. Yes. You did a Pokemon cover. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's where we're going. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. Like, uh, was that something you were a fan of? Being like a 90s kid? Yeah, that was just something fun I wanted to do. And uh, I just wanted to... <laughs> yeah, big, yeah, big growing up in the 90s, that was uh, that was my jam, the Pokemon. And I, I still, I'm still a fan of it. And all my, my remix, my remix uh, trend, I was like trying to find different songs. I was like, what's something fun I can do like a disco or funk version of? And I've always loved that. I've always loved that, that theme song. I was like, man, can I make this disco? It was actually, that song was actually tough to do because I, I did two versions of it. That I didn't like, and I eventually came up with something that I that, that I like. So yeah, <laughs> do you get like uh, music tips from your parents? You know, like uh, do you ever sit there and play a thing for your dad, and he's like, "Hey, do this, man!" Like <laughs> more <laughs> more than I would like. Okay. Yeah. Oh, like, <laughs> I mean, is it, sorry. Do you get unsolicited advice from your dad? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, because like sometimes I'll have something I really like, and then he'd be like. Nah, you should do this. And I'm like, nah, I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so it's yeah, yes, it's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's you know, I'm like, okay, cool, thanks. I didn't ask, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's like kind of polite. I guess it'd be weirder if you just walked in and be like, "What the fuck is this, son?" Yeah. Like... <laughs> so listen, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Let's see. I'm trying to think. For everyone who has already listened to the album or bought the album, I just want to thank you so much. And I would invite you to come listen to it. Yeah, you can get it. JDigs.bandcamp.com. You can stream it. It's it's available everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, wherever you wherever you like to listen to your music. It's on vinyl, CD, and cassette as well. And I teamed up with Tom Slave Recordings and they're doing the physical versions for me. You can get that. That's at um timeslaves.bandcamp.com slash album slash jams. What is the streaming service that gives you the most money? <laughs> like, like I'm not talking like what they get, like just like in terms of like cents per play or whatever. Like, is there, is there a streaming service you would rather people listen to because it's better for the artist? Streaming? No, I mean, streaming just that they're, they're all pretty equally bad. Mm. So streaming, no. The most support for an artist would definitely be Bandcamp. On Bandcamp Fridays. Yeah, Bandcamp, you know, they, they take the lease. It's more it's more direct to the artist. Yeah. Bandcamp Fridays are great, but even if it's not a Bandcamp Friday, they're, you know, it's a lot more direct to the artist. That's the message of today, then. Everyone should go to Bandcamp, like I do. Yeah. That's the only place I buy music, to be honest with you. It's always frustrating when artists only have stuff on iTunes. I always feel I never liked buying music on iTunes because it's like, it's weird. It's like you don't just get the files. Like, I just like having the files. Yeah, and you know what's cool about Bandcamp, too, is on my album, I included the liner notes. 
So if you download it on Bandcamp, you actually get a PDF booklet, like a PDF uh, booklet of there's pictures in there and there's, you know, all, all the credits and you see who did what and who sang what and, you know, what was in their coffee that day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah, but it, you get, you get like a more, little bit more detail. Yeah. And iTunes, iTunes doesn't give you that. I feel like I grabbed it on Bandcamp and there was like a bunch of extra songs as well, like a bunch of demos and things. Yeah. Yeah. If there's, there's bonus tracks too, you know, especially if you get the, the the physical with Time Slave, they uh, included the bonus. There's seven bonus tracks. See, look at that. See, Jay Diggs is all about delivering people value for their money. That's what I always say. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I, for some reason, I've been saying that for five years before I even know who you were. <laughs> My wife is always like, "Why do you keep telling me that?" I'm like, "I don't know, man. Just deal with it." <laughs> oh, tell you about tell, tell I said thank you for you know enjoying enjoying my music she doesn't usually like synthwave you said yeah i mean like um yeah <laughs> it's uh, at the same time yeah because there's certain artists who will like she'll like kind of nod along to or whatever yeah you know fm84 and ollie ride or something like it has to be oh, it has yeah. to be the stuff that's like you know like the high quality you know like high production value stuff yeah because i mean i like it all like cool melodies and uh, you know like catchy tunes and stuff and so sometimes i'll listen to stuff where even like the production value isn't you know quite as high but if there's a cool melody or a cool vibe you know i'm down with it but obviously the music that uh, that you're producing is uh you know top tier like production wise thank you yeah this is the thing that pisses me off about mainstream music though like i i know i'm a sort of an old man here but you know when i look at some of the stuff in and around the synthwave scene and there's some people who are so talented you know doing some really cool music and then you see the shit that makes you know like 80 billion views on youtube <laughs> yeah and ju- just to know that i know people who are like i know people who are equally and or more talented than this mm-hmm. and they deserve the damn plays yeah because this album wasn't manufactured in like a factory for somebody and has like you know a million producers attached to it or whatever and <laughs> obviously today we can clearly see that i've sort of picked more of the uh, the kind of synth tracks and stuff uh but obviously like you know you've got a lot of this r&b stuff that sets you apart from sort of other artists in this scene but also it's like it does have that mainstream appeal that i feel like if, if a million eyes suddenly were placed on jay diggs there would be a lot of people you know like grooving along or you know dancing to this shit on tiktok or whatever you know like yeah in place of that fucking uh oh no or whatever oh. song that <laughs> i know what you're talking about yeah there's an underlying <laughs> there's a little underlying joke going around i don't know if it's going around the whole community but i know there's a few people i talk to in the community and we have this we have this joke about you know the weekend <laughs> Well, dude, because that's the thing, like, The weekend has got some cool songs, but what bugs me is when I when I talk to, like, sort of, uh, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, normal people, who will be like, oh, but you, have you heard The weekend?" I'm like, dude, I've been listening to music that's better than this since fucking 2013, and not only that, there was that last weekend song that literally fucking ripped a hook from Makeup and Vanity set. It's probably not his fault, because obviously it's the producer who produced the song who did it, Yeah, but it was clearly ripped straight from Makeup and Vanity set's track. I think someone even said that if you play that part into Shazam, it'll give you a makeup and vanity set. I'm not familiar. Hold on. Who's this? Let me write them down. Who's it? Makeup and vanity set? Yeah. So makeup and vanity set's awesome, but he makes, um, it's like instrumental kind of cinematic sort of, uh, synth tunes. And he does, I think Mm -hmm. lately he's been doing more like scoring of, uh, like he scores podcasts. And I think he did this thing where it was like, um, that when the Batman Blu-rays, the animated series Blu-rays came out, there was like documentaries on there that he had scored as well. But his music's really cool. And so the particular weekend song, which 
which I forget the title of. It's not the whole track. It's just that after he does like the chorus, there's sort of like a synth breakdown part that's cool. Yeah. And it's that part. It's literally the same sounds and everything. Like it sounds like they literally just took the song from Makeup and Vandy set and sampled it. Oh wow. Same tempo, same uh synth sounds and stuff and I think they they might have added some stuff, but it's very clearly taken from there and Yeah. You know, it's frustrating, right? It's frustrating, but I I don't I can't get mad because obviously, you know, I mean, he has a lot of backing. I mean, there's this record labels and producers, yeah, behind him. And I get I guess for me, I I guess I get more I don't know if I want to say self-conscious, but I get worried because I'm like, I don't want people to think I'm copying the weekend. Because I'm like, hey, I've been doing this since 2012. It just so happened that, you know, yeah. <laughs> he got popular and then he started doing this because he wasn't always doing synth music. Right. It's a trend, too. Sometimes when they, they hop on these trends and I've always been the kind of person to do research, which is why I started doing this whole show in the first place was like when I discovered the synth wave scene, when I find music that I like, I do the work at that point. I'm like, I need to find more of this. I need to know what this is. And I just feel like the only problem is a lot of people don't do that. Right. Like, so they'll hear if they find out I like sort of synth wave music, that kind of sound, you know, they'll say the same typical things like, you know, do you know the weekend or Have you seen Stranger Things? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like those things are fine, but there's so much more yeah. and so much more variety. And the main thing for me is the quality level. It's not just some fucking, you know, indie garage scene of like poorly produced music or whatever. I, so when I see the people who like this stuff, I go like, I know all of these like independent artists who are producing music of this same caliber, like a yeah. same quality. And they did it first and better and you know so that's the frustrating thing for me but i guess i what what am i supposed to do yeah it's just the you know i don't know we'll, we'll figure it out i don't know it's just the, the record labels honestly yeah they i mean they still have they still have power yeah <laughs> they still have that, that visibility power you know well, it's just the money like i just wish if we just all of a sudden just like a billion dollars got infused into the synthwave scene yeah we could purchase like the ad time mm-hmm. you know there's some music that's fine like i'm not gonna shit on artists for no reason but like you know every time i open up youtube do i do i need to see billy eilish right like i don't need to she's fine but it's like yeah. it's always there right there was literally like a for three years where if you booted up youtube on like a yeah. on the default screen it was always billy eilish answers fucking the same questions she answered last year or whatever i'm like why is this video always here like i just yeah like i'm not asking for it you know yeah that's because they, they they that's what they want they want her they want her in front of you yeah it's a little frustrating but it, you know it is what it is and yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of talented artists man like but yeah like ollie ryan you mentioned ollie ryan earlier Mm. And I, man, I want to work with that guy. We we've talked, um, but you know, we we both busy. We just haven't found that creative space to you know do our thing yet. But like, I, just, I don't know. I have this like idea of like, oh man, we could be like. <laughs> like Miami Vice, like Tubbs, and you know, what I'm saying? like <laughs> Tubbs and Crockett. Yeah, and I just, I just said this bitch is like us, like doing a show and wearing our suits, and it's just like you know, cool. So, well, Ollie's definitely you no, know, like Ollie's a good guy, and he's fun. Um, he's definitely, I would say, the best performer. Oh yeah, yeah. He has a history doing like musical performance and stuff because obviously a lot of people in synthwave scene, uh, you know, they're like bedroom producers, and so you know when they first start uh, doing shows, it is just like sort of a guy on stage at a with a laptop uh-huh. and Ollie definitely brought like the flair of performance like when I first started seeing him uh, perform he comes out and does like costume changes and he's like dancing in the crowd and stuff and so he, he always had that kind of background which is fun yeah I- I'm trying to think of a, a J. 
Bugs Ollie collab? Like what kind of Man. historically what what sort of mainstream reference I can think of? I just know whatever we do would be epic. It would be completely epic. High energy, just crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just seeing so yeah, I hope we get to we get to work. Yeah, we talked, we did a video call one time, it was cool. And I had this record out his vinyl and I had that in the background and we laughed and you know, we talked a little bit, so it was cool. So yeah, one day. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. So what what else then? Before we say goodbye, what's the future hold for Jay Diggs, man? What's coming up? Man, well, right now I'm still promoting this album, but we'll see. Because, you know, I've, I kind of have the concept for my next album already. Nice. <laughs> Which is crazy. I don't want to really, I don't want to give it away yet. But I kind of have this, but I'll, I'll say this. I have the concept for my next album and I think you'll be a fan of it. Because, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm look, I don't know. I'm thinking about something a little darker. This album was more about fun and like sexy, fun vibe and, you know, the funky vibe. And it's still going to be funky. I still want to keep it funky, but I definitely want to explore some some darker tones. So if people can expect that. So I'm thinking I'm thinking about the next album already. And yeah, just more. I'm just gonna I'm gonna explore some options for touring. So I'm still figuring it out. So do some touring and do some production. So I might produce for some other people as well. But um yeah, so a little bit a little bit of everything. It's coming. Stay tuned. Awesome, man. Well look, it was uh, it was lovely to meet you, Mr. J Diggs. Good to meet you too, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. And I hope you uh you have a lovely day over there and uh, keep on making cool tunes and we'll uh, play them on the show and maybe you can uh, pop back when you, you've you made a new album in two weeks or whatever, how long it's going to take you. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> this album wore me out. I'll be honest, this one wore me out. <laughs> but, I, but I have ideas, so we'll see. Awesome, dude. Well, you have, a, you have a good one, dude, and it was nice talking to you. You too. Thank you. And that was my conversation with Jay Diggs. I hope you enjoyed that. And tune in next week to the Christmas special of Beyond Synth, which I'm hoping I can pull together because I will say that uh, we were... (laughs) Very tired when we recorded this one, and I haven't listened back to it yet, and I just really hope that there is an episode there, or else we're going to have some problems. But in the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely week. Thank you for listening to the show. Of course, you can support Beyond Synth by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button is also a way to donate to the show, and I appreciate it. It keeps the lights on and keeps the show coming out regularly, so uh, have a lovely week and I will talk to you next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.